0: The Christian view of education was to teach young people how to think, not what to think. Much of our current education, not all, but much of it is teaching children what to think and in effect, it's social engineering.
1: Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. What are the questions that you wrestle with in life? We all have that innate desire to ask questions, seek answers, and to engage in conversations that challenge our thinking. Today we are in for some great answers to some hard questions. Joining us is David Robertson, a man from the picturesque landscape of Scotland, who now lives in Australia, and has devoted over three decades to ministering, answering tough questions, and making theology accessible to everyone. David is not just an apologist and minister. He is a bridge between questions and answers, doubt and belief. With books like The Dawkins Letters and Ask Real World Questions, Real Word Answers, and contributions to premierchristianity.com, David is a beacon for those seeking answers, especially those in Gen Z. So whether you're here searching for the answer to a nagging question or seeking a deeper connection with God, stay with us. This conversation is a candid exploration of life's most intriguing questions. Now, on to our candid conversation. Well, we have a repeat guest once again, and uh, it's a, always a pleasure and a privilege to welcome David Robertson onto Candid Conversations. David, thank you for taking the time to rejoin us.
0: It's a privilege, as always, uh, a Scotsman speaking to an American from Australia. It's, yes. it's a joy, the wonders of modern technology.
1: And I'm a first generation American. Yeah. So, the last time we spoke, your episode with Ravi Zacharias, it's still one of our top episodes. And then you've come up with a book series. The first was Ask, which the anagram for ASK is Ask, Seek, Knock. And now you've come out with the follow-up, which is Seek, Search, Educate, Engage, and Knock. More real-world questions, more real-world answers. And it sounds like, David, it's a continuation of questions from young people from around the world. You've got 52, which I think you had last time as well, and just such a helpful way in which, you know, you can take a really large, heavy topic and not treat it flippantly, but you engage it, you give a, a Bible reading, a text to read, you engage with the topic, Then you write something to consider, and then recommended further reading, which I'm sure you would emphasize that because you you can't get everything in just a a few paragraphs, and then a prayer at the end. So, what have you found with the second book coming out?
0: Okay, well, it's interesting because you've fallen for the same trap as Janet Parshall.
1: Yeah, must be an American thing.
0: Well, no. It's it's probably it was I was probably trying to be too clever, but it says real world questions, real word answers. Word
1: so, answers. <laughs> word
0: answers, rather than world answers. So look
1: at me falling so for the trap. <laughs>
0: yeah, was, she did exactly the same. You're
1: um, right. Which wouldn't make any sense.
0: This came out of a, a, an idea from Christian Focus, where they wanted me to do something for twelve-year-olds and. Mm. I decided that I would do it for older teenagers as well. And instead of a kind of an apologetic book, I thought I'd do it kind of combination of devotional stroke, Bible study, stroke, apologetic. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did was very simple. I wrote to youth leaders in 21 different countries, five different continents and said, can you get your young people to send me some questions? Now, the caveat to that was, don't you send me the questions that you think they're asking
1: yes right i want
0: the actual questions
1: big difference
0: and i got hundreds you know so you're talking america australia the english-speaking countries the uk of course um scotland Mm. the center of the universe um couldn't leave that out and (laughs) but 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 also peru india south korea Mm. kenya you know european countries and so on Mm -hmm, so mm. and they were a fascinating mix they were some you would have expected; others were completely unexpected. And so I thought, you know, I've got enough here, so I did the ass book, and that was the one. Um, the cover has uh, uh, the handprint. That is actually the, the designer's handprint.
1: Yeah, I remember you telling us that
0: because it's uh, uh, each handprint is unique. You know, so each nice. individual is unique, and it also had the colours pink and blue because the whole argument's about this some um, sexuality the, and yeah, and so on, and that the, yeah. those questions all came up. Yeah. And then the Seek one, its it's got a cover of a brain. Um, and, uh, you know, guess what the third one's going to be? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, right. Here comes <laughs> Nock. <laughs> knock.
1: But I'm, um, I want to know what the anagram is going to be, how, the, uh, the sort of alliteration use.
0: For Nock, oh, you'll have to find yeah. that out. It's, okay, um, I have
1: to wait. Um, I have to wait.
0: I mean, I'm working on that just now. And you're right. Well, the, There's a strange thing with Ask. We discovered that it was selling to people we intended, the teenagers. But actually, it was selling as much to older adults. And we worked out why. It was very straightforward. Most adults don't want 7,000-word answers. So a a 700-word answer with a Bible thing. So what I was trying to do was to show people how to think about things biblically. I wasn't giving the definitive answer on everything. You know, I'm not Yoda. But you you pointed out, that's why I gave the extra reading. So, Mm. for example, in the Seek book, just taking one completely at at random about um, factory farming. There was a question about factory farming. And there was a marvelous book I read by an American Christian farmer called The Pigness of Pigs, which, you know, that's the book I would recommend for that. So the way it works is I've done, like, social, political questions, if you like, biblical questions, questions about the Bible, personal questions, theological questions, and the You know, there's 52 of them, and that's how it works. And I hope Seek goes as well as Ask did.
1: So just getting my timing here, so Ask had been released, and then you had time to think about the next one, or was it sort of already in development at that point, Seek?
0: No, no, um, I didn't know. I mean, I'm not a publicist or a salesperson, so we didn't know whether this would work. But it did work. I mean, it's been reprinted several times.
1: So were the questions then almost like kids who had read Ask then had further questions and and came to seek? Or was it just, you know, here's 104 questions that were coming?
0: Well, some did that. So what happened was people wrote me, uh, or I go and speak at, um, I mean, it's a strange thing. I'm a 61-year-old man, and I find that in terms of preaching and speaking, I get a better reception from teenagers than I do from any other age group. So when I go and speak places, I always say to people, look, here's my email, send me any questions or comments. So I've always got plenty, you know. There's a church you know, for example, St. Thomas's, uh, you know well, in, in Sydney, St. Mm-hmm. Thomas's Anglican, and I was there speaking to their youth group, and it was quite funny because there was one kid who tried to be really smart, you know. It was very funny. He actually said, I like putting on lipstick to annoy my dad. Is that okay? <laughs> I could probably tell you <laughs>
1: and, it was, too. <laughs> and I said
0: you do it to annoy your dad. He said, yeah. I said, well, that's fine. I said, you carry on doing that. That's what kids are meant to do. (laughs) And the teachers are kind of looking at me and I said, I said, if you were doing it because you wanted to be a girl, you realize that wouldn't work. Um, so it's just a fascinating thing. You know, I mean, then he spoke to me again and, and I said, look, you do need to realize you put on lipstick. I said, I wouldn't do it if I were you personally, but, um, that doesn't make you into a girl we don't do those stereotypes so let's talk about what a boy and a girl is and how. and a 12 year old kid you know and the other kids were and and i think the teachers were a bit you know are you really going to go there but actually you (laughs) really do have to go there you You know and and that's the advantage of asking kids themselves so you will get you know the suffering question you will get the kids who've been brought up in Reformed churches who always want to ask you about predestination because they think they've got you, you know. Um, yeah. and then yeah, you get right. the really personal ones, you know. My like, um, there was one girl wrote from Kenya, "Why did God make white people better than us?" Mm. Um, and then there was another guy who wrote, "My girlfriend's pregnant. Uh, she's mm. going to have an abortion. What can I do? I can't tell her parents, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, you know. So mm. these were these mm. were deeply personal questions, mm. 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 and then some fascinating. Um, Social ones, theological ones, and so on. Very interesting. I think the thing that's, that maybe struck me most about the first book was that I got questions on suffering only from Western countries.
1: I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I got questions on gender and transgender from every single country. Incredible
1: what do you attribute that to internet just the proliferation yeah yeah so it's it's, the internet it's It's everywhere yeah it's
0: so the the whole transgender thing is a kind of TikTok, youtube thing yeah and youtube is ubiquitous yeah you know it's by far the most viewed platform
1: Mm, that's true yeah of all social medias yeah
0: yeah and so i mean this goes out on youtube i'm assuming and i couldn't believe that podcasts if you put podcasts out on youtube People watch and I'm going, what? You're just watching two guys talking, but they do. I don't know. It's they true. Do.
1: We're putting it out on YouTube. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you find that teenagers engage with you when you speak, preach more than, than any other sort of age demographic. Why do you think that is?
0: I think because um, somebody here said to me that, uh, David, you're high risk, high reward. And I think... <laughs> Uh, I don't do shock joke stuff I really don't try and do that but I do think out loud and I think teenagers appreciate the honesty and bizarrely they appreciate the radicalness yeah so what they get from me is so different from what they're getting in in most schools or what they're getting on the media and it kind of makes sense and maybe you know maybe I've just never grown up you know maybe I've, maybe I just always I I feel a real affinity for them I, I feel really sorry for young mm-hmm. people, particularly in Western countries today, growing up in a, a culture and context, which makes it extremely difficult for them, and which, in my view, is so abusive to them.
1: Yeah. And do you think it's the inability to question or understand a right logical thought process through things? It's just sort of, just take it, just accept it, this is just the way it is? Is Is that is that sort of the...
0: Yeah, I think it's partly the challenge that they get, and also the key things, not just with teenagers, but everybody else. I mean, I talk a lot, but it's learning to listen to people. So I listen to their questions and Mm -hmm. interact with them. And because I read culturally quite widely. So, I mean, I'll give you two examples. Well, one from Scotland. Uh, I've recently been back in Scotland, and I went to speak a place where they were anticipating it would mainly just be older people. And there there were about 15 teenagers who came along, and they were the ones who interacted, and it was great wow and then there was a school here in uh, australia in a place called orange that i went to and i was told it was a christian school but i was told the first class would have about 40 and the second class would have about 20 and when i went to the second class there was 120 and they were standing all along the walls and sitting on the floor and (laughs) i said to the teacher what's going on here said well some of them heard you at the i was up for the weekend in that in that town and some of them heard you at a youth group on friday night and they just asked if they could come along. So we just said to the kids, anyone who wants to come can come. Wow. And maybe they were bunking class. I don't know, but I just think. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I didn't even bother a talk. I just said, basically I said, look, I'm not going to do a talk. I said, firehead, you just go with questions. And it was incredibly moving. There was one girl in mm. particular who asked what was clearly a very personal question mm-hmm. and it was very brave of her to do so in front of everybody. And you know, I, I think it's that. Maybe one other example is I was down in Victoria uh, speaking at uh, Belgrave convention, and there was 120 young people I had asked, would, would I go and do the, an extra talk with them? So I did. And one of them said, man, you are so brave. I said, what? What do you mean I'm brave? They said, you can't say that here. You get You get... Put to jail for saying stuff like that here. (laughs) And actually, actually, she wasn't wrong. Yeah, I could have been prosecuted. I think for saying things which the Victorian government Mm. regards as harmful, but it's Bible teaching. Yeah, and I think our young people are much more radical than we realise. Yeah. So you've got a view in the states, in the UK, in Australia, and elsewhere, where progressives think, oh. All the old people will die off and all the young people will be indoctrinated by us. And I'm going, nah, that's not the narrative, guys. Because I find <laughs> they're gonna, they're of gonna young push people. against you. <laughs> yeah. And so if you want to be a rebel now, I mean when in my day I was a rebel at school by being a communist. Right. right. Now now if you want to be a rebel, be a Christian. Right. You know? And that's very attractive. That's right. To a lot of young people.
1: This book came out after COVID. Yeah. So Tell me a little bit about how you think COVID has sort of shaped the teenage. Well, we'll we'll go a little younger, sort of ten to teenage mind worldview as it relates to anxiety, fear. I notice you have a lot of questions about government, obeying the government, being patriotic. What were some of the things that you saw? I mean, you had to live through all the lockdowns and everything, just like everyone else. What sentiment are you picking up from this young demographic as it relates to those
0: things? Okay, well, I think it varies a lot. But I think the prevailing thing that comes across for me is fear. Yeah. I think what governments did overall was actually quite iniquitous and evil because they used fear to nudge people into behavior. And, I mean, you can do that in the church as well. You know, behave yourself or the devil will get you or you'll go to hell or something. You know. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, sure. That it doesn't is, work, but. <laughs> that is, It's very counterproductive. And I think what the government have done is they up the fear all the time. Yeah. So I meet youngsters, now non-Christian youngsters, well, Christian youngsters too, who think, well, there's no point in getting married because the planet's going to be destroyed in 12 years. or
1: Because of climate or, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. Because, we're all, you know, the world's burning. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a, a, a girl from the States wrote me and, and said, oh, in fact, she wrote online um, when we had bushfires here in Australia, which we always had, but it was a particularly bad season a couple of years ago. And she uh, said, oh, half Australia is burning. <laughs> and I said, no, it's not. It's uh, just, just around 1%. And she said, no, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. It mustn't be right because she'd seen a graphic which showed half of Australia burning and there's-, there's <laughs> On the internet. <laughs> yeah. So there's a catastrophizing. So, but I hmm. think it's really cruel what they're doing to children. So I think children and teenagers are being manipulated in schools which teach gender um, queer theory. I yeah. regard queer theory as child abuse. Now I didn't get a question about this because this is a relatively recent thing. And it's really from the States that this has come. The whole thing about drag queens, in yeah. nurseries and schools. What's that about? Drag queen is, at best, adult entertainment. Men yeah. dressing up as women, doing highly risque and sexualized things. The notion that this should be done to children in libraries as a means of education, it's utterly perverse.
1: Yeah. But
0: that is happening. Kids are being... You know, there's, there's a reason that a third of students who go to elite schools in the United States now say they're non-binary, or LGBTQI plus, you know, so there's all of that. There's the fear aspect, there's the indoctrination, there's the manipulation, there's the destruction of the family. So if I'm growing up as a a child in today's world, I'm growing up in a world where people govern by preaching uncertainties at one level and manipulating people. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is I I just want to say to the young people, look, think for yourself. Yeah. Just think for yourself. My view is that the Christian view of education was to teach young people how to think, not what to think. Yeah, I think our current, much of our current education, not all, but much of it is teaching children what to think. And in effect, it's social engineering. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's occurring. And basically, I am encouraging teenagers to rebel. <laughs> not to rebel against their parents, Not even to rebel against the government and so on, but to rebel against a culture which says that they are there to be manipulated and malleable and so on. So I'll give you an an example that's so current. It's today. The UN had posted out something about we need to listen to our young people on climate change. And I responded by saying, well, no, you're not going to do that. What you're going to do is listen to young people who've been indoctrinated by adults who you appoint Yeah. And uh, a Christian editor wrote and said, well, have you got evidence for this? And I said, you're kidding me. The people they're listening to are their UNICEF ambassadors. They're, you know, they're not listening to children. You know, ironically, I mean, another example of this is here at the University of Sydney. I once said to somebody in in a class, this is no longer a university. It's a monoversity, It only teaches one view. And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, look, there's 20 of you students here. I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you that you name a subject and I'll tell you what 90% of you think on that subject, (laughs) you know, without even asking you.
1: Without a hesitation, yeah.
0: Yeah. And let's be honest, that can happen within religious and Christian contexts as well. I mean, Mm. we need to be really careful. We need to trust God's word. And that was the point about the book, using the Bible. I got a question in the previous book in Ask about what would Jesus do about North Korea. That was from a South Korean. And, you know, I, right. I, fac- I facetiously put Newcomb, but that was, you know, that was. But no, I wrote a serious answer. Um, that was irony, by the way. I, I wrote a serious answer about. I didn't. The Bible doesn't mention North Korea, right? Or Kim Jong Un or, or anything like that. But what no. the Bible does say is what our attitude should be towards governments yeah. and what justice is and things like that. So. What I'm trying to do is to get people, young people especially, but adults too, to think about things through a biblical framework, whereas I suspect that what we do all the time is we come with a political framework or our, our own views, yes. then we impose the Bible upon that. So we read the Bible through the culture. I'm wanting to get people to read the culture through the Bible.
1: Yeah, one has to be the ultimate authority.
0: Yeah, and but it's also... It, it's. Um, The lens through which you see things. So let's come to the climate change thing. Now, Christians can believe that um, climate change is caused by human beings and we need to do something about it. And Christians can believe that the majority of climate change is not caused by human beings and there's very little we can do about it. You can have those opinions. The Bible doesn't give us a thing about that, but what the Bible does say is that God is in control of the world and of yes. the environment that the world will not be destroyed by humanity. But when Christ comes again, the heavens will be burned up, etc., etc. Right. So you avoid the extremes and you avoid the hopelessness. And I find when I go places, I, I've been doing a lot of talks on Romans eight. So the first mm-hmm. part of Romans eight is to me about our identity as human beings. And we need identity in Christ. The second part is about the environment and the earth and, you know, the whole creation groaning. And the third part is about death and eternity. And, and it's amazing. We need to bring hope. So especially for young people, I'm wanting to bring hope, not hope. To say to a young person, you can change the world, doesn't bring them hope. You know, I think Jordan Peterson has this right. Tidy your room first, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But to say to a young person, you are responsible for changing the world. You are responsible for saving the planet. That is Too much an Possible burden. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Whereas to say that you can know the creator of the world, that you can do a bit, that you can serve him, is that you can bring joy and light and peace and the fruit of the spirit through Christ. I think we've got a message of hope. So another way I explain this is I would say about in the UK and here in Australia, I'm not so sure about the US, but um, now we've got a lot of people wanting to do kind of prophetic critique of the culture and point out where we're going. It's too late, we've gone there. That's like saying, I know what the football scores are going to be after the game's finished. (laughs) Um, The time for doing that was 20 years ago. Now, actually, our time is to bring hope. So Mm. you've got people like Jordan Peterson, Abigail Shearer, Douglas Murray, non-Christians, all of them, I think giving a very good critical analysis, an accurate analysis of where the culture is. But what they don't have is hope. Yeah. And they don't have any answer. And that's what I want to bring. So I use contemporary issues to try and bring the hope of the gospel, especially to young people.
1: What have you found is the response? I mean, obviously, kids are turning out in droves to hear, you know, the message that you're putting forth or, or the answering of the questions that are going out. So what is the, you know, in the in the calling them to rebel against those things that are, are, are trying to make them malleable and, and shaping their minds in an unhelpful manner? What's been the response? Have you seen?
0: It varies, of course. There are some who are not remotely interested, um, and there are some who become very antagonistic. You know, because they push back against. And uh, you know, if I go into a secular school, for example, I remember one boy coming with a tape recorder to ask me a question about sexuality, and then to report me to the police. You know, that was that was his whole intention, and I was utterly amazed that the teachers knew this and didn't stop him doing it. So when he asked me the question, I challenged him about the tape recorder and told him to grow up, you know, so you get that, you get an element of, wow, I can't believe you're actually saying this. You get surprise, I think. But I think most of all from those who've grown up in a church environment, you just get a sense of relief. Yeah. We kind of felt that, but we didn't know. And, it's okay to ask these questions. And because I, um, I can't help myself, I, I, I use humour quite a lot. and Sometimes I go a wee bit to the edge in terms of challenging, you know. So um, I have to be quite careful because I grew up in a culture where we were taught to be emotionally and intellectually robust. And we took, you know, people giving us a row or saying things. Um, now I find that our young people are being taught to be hypersensitive, hypersensitive yeah and i I want them to get over that so i I push them a wee bit but you have to be very careful you know because you don't want to offend or hurt anybody right but man it's very difficult when you live in a culture where people say to you if you disagree with me you're hurting my feelings where are are we left yeah you well you're stuck you know (laughs) that's right yeah so it's no it's it's mixed reaction but in general very enthused i find if I combine the book with videos and personal appearance and also allow the kids to write me and stuff, it's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, when I get to that stage and I do a podcast as well called quantum and I was really quite amused. Um, I was speaking in a church and this 16 year old girl came up and she said, I want to thank you for your podcast. And I basically just comment on cultural issues from a Christian perspective, Mm -hmm. do it every week and use a lot of music. I said, why? He said, thank you. She said, She said, well, me and my friends listen to it every single week because that's where we get our news. And I was very touched by that, but also just kind of overwhelmed with the responsibility of it, the responsibility to tell truth, the responsibility, you know, to be clear, yeah, the responsibility not to be prejudiced and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah.
1: All right. If you had to come up with uh, three or four of your favorite topics that are in SEEK, or even maybe if you wanted to do the, the ones that surprised you or however you want to do it. Uh, so there's 52 in here and we obviously, we yeah. want our listeners to look for it. Seek more real world questions, more real word answers by David Robertson. We want you all to look for that. That'll be on what Amazon and all the major book distributors. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. So
0: I thought I would get this, but what is a woman? Of course that came up. And the the one on disease and, and factory. Also, the one on factory farming. The factory mm. farming one was a really interesting one. On a moral issue, the good lie is it ever right to tell a lie. Mm. I think things like again, God and swearing. Is it is it right to swear? The one that I loved because I'm I'm helping some guys here make a movie on this. Somebody asked, "What's the point of the Book of Job?" <laughs> so, um, and then there was another one. Um, do you believe in talking snakes? Which is the kind of mocking one that atheists often ask. Right. But I mean, I, I like them all. I liked the, the one about art. Can you be a Christian and a DJ? What's Again. the evidence against God? Women in the church, um, gay Christians. Um, and I always try and finish with a very practical one in terms of spirituality, where the last question was, how can you know if you are a Christian? Mm-hmm. So I like the mixture. I like them all. Um, you know the, the the questions you get, but particularly moving ones for me are teenagers who say my family are not Christian, you know, yeah. and then the questions that arise out of that. So yeah, the factory farming one surprised me, and the job one surprised me. <laughs>
1: Well, I can't recommend it enough. I I give it to our youth ministry guys and encourage them to use it as a helpful source. And you make a big point that this isn't the source, but I think it gets the conversation going in the right direction. And uh, we do recommend uh, if you've got young people in your life or if you just want to maybe better understand uh, the types of questions that young people are asking, we want to encourage you to pick up both Ask and Seek. And we're so grateful for the time you were able to give us, David Robertson. Thank you for being
0: with us on Candid Conversations. Thank you, Jonathan. And uh, it was a candid conversation. And uh, you, (laughs) uh, along with Janet Parshall, are my favorite uh, American interviewers. (laughs) Well, there you go.
1: It's because we get your titles
0: wrong. Yeah. (laughs) It's because because you get my sense of humor or you're not, at least you're not, publicly offended with things I say. So that's lovely. God bless you, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It does help people to find us as always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.